what is up coming to you live from the jungle the home of our little tiger it's time for another episode of dre's geek philosophy podcast it is may 16th 2022 and it is episode 278 how's it going if you are watching this live on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Dre GP podcast, we are back to our very, very late start time of just past 10 p.m. Tiger took a little extra time to go to sleep tonight. <laughs> the little dude wants to stay up very late, but no, he needs sleep. He's a toddler. And. It takes every bit of strength that we have as parents to get him to sleep now. <laughs> I, I literally had to pick him up and rock him to sleep and sing him a little tiger-themed lullaby just to get him down. And then that left me completely trashed for a good while. <laughs> uh, that, that's the thing they don't tell you about parenthood. You're, you're just going to be permanently exhausted for the rest of your life. Especially us. Like we started this parenthood thing a little bit later in life. And like I was. I hit 40. My wife is younger than me. In undisclosed age. <laughs> and uh, yeah. We, we, we're not spring chickens. Like, uh, a part of me wishes. I'm like, oh, I wish I'd done this a little earlier in life. But then I wouldn't have all the life experience. It, it, I guess that's, that's, that's a pro and con of the entire thing. What's up, Adelaide? What's up, Ryan? Th thanks for coming on and watching us live as we come on here Monday night. Um, you know what we didn't talk about last week was winning time because uh, we hadn't watched it <laughs> for various... Is it, Oh, uh, okay. Let, 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 let's put a pin in that. All right. Adelaide is asking about something I was looking about looking at on Twitter. So let's jump right into that. So tonight on WWE's Monday Night Raw, Sasha Banks and Naomi literally walked out on their jobs for relatively unknown reasons. And Adelaide asked he, if he thinks it's a work in wrestling terminology it, it's a a work is making something seem real when it's actually not real it's it, it, it's it's a, a part of the story that's how everything I've gathered from looking at Twitter for the last 15 minutes is that uh, uh, I guess uh, they had been inserted into a match tonight that they are currently the the WWE tag team champions and they were going to have them wrestle in some six-way match to determine the next challenger for... For, uh... My brain's not working. Why can't I remember her name? She's awesome. Oh, wow. My brain does not work anymore. But then for the Raw Women's Champion... Blank. Wow. See, this is what happens when, when you get older and you have a child. Your brain just starts having gaps... In logic, I can. She is. She is the est, Bianca Belair. <laughs> so the Raw Women's Champion, Bianca Belair. This is the fun thing about doing this live and rec recording this live. I, I am not going to go back and edit that out. Uh, they're determining a champion. They were going to have a six-way match, 
and for whatever reason, they're going to have the tag team champions in this match. And I guess the uh, the the predetermined ending of the the match was going to be uh, Naomi. Yeah, this Naomi, mommy and daddy brain means sleep deprivation. Yes, we are constantly being deprived of sleep for for multiple reasons. My poor wife is a very light sleeper. I am a snorer, and our son likes to wake up at night randomly. So the the ending of the match was going to be, uh, I believe it was Naomi pinning Sasha, the tag team champions. One was going to pin the other and cause a rift between the tag team champions. Uh, a, uh, this is a trope in professional wrestling. We're like, oh, how do we create a feud out of nowhere? Let's have the tag team not like, create a rift between the tag team and make them not like each other. Granted, um, Sasha and Naomi had just become tag team champions at WrestleMania. The first time Sasha actually won a match at WrestleMania in seven tries. And then they've had them basically do nothing in the last five weeks and just hang out. I don't know if they even had a title defense. They didn't have one at the WrestleMania backlash or whatever. Honestly, I only keep up with WWE via Twitter now. Whatever happened with the goings-ons of WWE. I, I, I don't watch Raw or SmackDown. I just open Twitter and see what happens. So the, the, the both Sasha and Naomi did not like this because they've only been champions for five weeks. They've been given nothing creatively. And so they went to 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 go um, speak with Vince. And like no, they, they thought, um, for lack of a better word, this was bullshit. And apparently, you know, Vince agreed. Oh, okay, you know, we'll, we'll we'll have the writers rewrite it. You know, do something else. But I guess that it pissed off the producers. And then they they didn't want to change the the producers of the match or the agents, however, the pe- the people who put together the match. I guess were not happy that their idea was was overruled by the talent. And they were insistent. Oh no, we're gonna make them. We want to break them up, and then it turned out the long-term plan was to just break up their team so they can give current Raw champion Bianca a challenger, and then current SmackDown champion Ronda Rousey a, a challenger. Just Not that Sasha or Naomi were going to win the belt, they were just going to be broken up for the sake of breaking them up and fed to the current champions just to just make things keep going forward. And, oh, they would still be the tag team champions. And then, oh, they'd eventually defend the belts at Money of the Bank uh, in, in June or July. And, um, uh, you know, this is a this is an ongoing problem with NWB that where the, the creative doesn't care. They, they, they only care about the Roman Reigns and then the rest of the stories. Uh, they, they, they could care less. They'll change them on the fly, which is why a lot of uh, the, the super creative uh, talent just keeps leaving. Like uh, their contract comes up, like oh, we'd like to sign you to another three-year deal, and the talent goes, "No, I'm not going to sign. I'm going to leave. I'm going to go wrestle somewhere else, or go do something completely different, or just." Where <laughs> one wrestler, uh, Bo Dallas, he he's just doing real estate now. <laughs> when when he when he got let go, he's just like, "All right, I'm just going to go do real estate now." <laughs> The, the, the last long-reigning women's tag team champions, they, they wrestled for, for Impact for a little while, and then they both just quit Impact. They're just going to go do acting. or I think one of them is really focused on becoming an actress, 
and the other one's just going to rake in her OnlyFans money. Um, yeah, this this is why a lot of professional wrestling fans are very frustrated with WWE because they all these talented people are not allowed to be talented. They're just they're they're stuck to the whims of a seventy something year old man who who just does he, he sees a script Monday afternoon at four p.m. and just tears it up and like oh, let's rewrite the show in one hour or let's rewrite the show on the fly. Who n- no one's paying attention. These these fans don't remember anything from last week. And unfortunately for Vince, the only fans who are still around are the ones who remember everything that happened for the last 30 years. There's a, been a great disconnect between the, the fans and and Vincent Kennedy McMahon. But and, and, and here we are. And then I guess tonight, they, they came to a crux where the, these two young ladies decided to stick for themselves. And, and you know, Sasha is in a very unique position where... <laughs> yeah, uh, right there. I'd lead right here on... On Facebook Live, Mandalorian Mercedes Varnado spinoff. Yeah, she could very well get her own show. She can have her own show on Disney Plus. Yeah, her her character on on the Mandalorian season two is very well received. I, 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 I she's she's built up her cachet outside of the WWE bubble. I, I'm I'm sure she can find a, a Hollywood career without the crutch of WWE, and I think she's she's banking on that. Uh, to, to, oh God! I did a terrible pun there. Since her her name is a uh, Sasha Banks, she's banking on that. You're you're welcome. And uh, yeah, she she's using her cash. And then I I kind of feel sorry for Naomi in this because she kind of has to show solidarity for this to to work. They 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 both had to walk out like because of the way they've been booked or the the story has been written for them for people who are not familiar with wrestling vernacular. And it's just crazy, and people are saying, "Oh, this is this is a part of the story." And no, I, the, the fact that WWE re- released a ridiculous PR statement during the show, and then they had their own uh, the, the their puppet uh, commentators uh, declare that Naomi and Sasha were unprofessional walking out of their job, walking out of the job today. Uh, that 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 tells me that uh, the WWE is trying to spin things and trying to get their their loyal fans to 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 side with WWE against these 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 women who are standing up for themselves because WWE has long had a history of uh, keeping people um, down, not letting them stand up for themselves. Like no no no, you you have no agency here. You have to work for you. You're an independent contractor who cannot take do any other work outside of this. You have a contract that's only valid as long as we say it's valid. You could be fired at any time. But if you want to quit, you cannot leave. Because, oh, nope, you signed this contract. But these other people who signed a five-year contract, you, you cut them six months in during a pandemic in, in, in your company's biggest record year of profits. No, no, no. We do. Uh, Vince McMahon does things his way. If if he doesn't want you, then that contract is not worth the paper it's printed on. But if you want to leave, oh no, you can't leave. You're not allowed. You have not fulfilled your commitment to me. Legalize slavery, maybe? <laughs> yes, uh, Adley says here, independent contractor when it's convenient for WWE. Yeah, I've... 
the, the that's just uh, the the part of the part of doing business. It, it, it's it's funny because really in in the past, I really want to say the last ten years, they they really damaged their brand, so to speak. It, it's kind of ironic, because right now I think they're the they're very corporately safe. They they have, they have so many more sponsors now than they ever had during the. Their, their, their theoretical peak during the Attitude Era of 97 through 2000. That, that was the, the peak of fandom. They had 6 million people watching every week. But you know, honestly, the, the, their, their, their sponsorships were, were few and far between back then because it was still perceived as um, inappropriate content, which honestly, if you look back on it, it kind of was inappropriate. But now that they're they're financially secure, Fox is is giving them a billion dollars because they they produce live live product every week, every Friday. They produce two hours of live content. They get fifty two episodes, where a lot of these other shows can only muster up like thirteen episodes for for much higher production costs. So like they've reached this point where all these all these companies are more than happy to have a Roman Reigns or a, or, or any of these other well, or John Cena to an extent he, he's still I don't know if he's necessarily directly under contract but people know him as a WWE wrestler first and foremost even though now he, he has secured himself uh, stardom outside of wrestling now he's recognized more and more as a movie star even uh, even though WWE tried to jumpstart his career, I'm trying to think when the Marine came out. That was like 2010 or 2009. But uh, John had to like leave, leave, and and find projects himself. Now after Peacemaker, after Suicide Squad, and the Peacemaker. Now he's really become uh, like a bon- bona fide star. Now people people are seeing now or in the last you know two or three years uh, that w- what a lot of WWE fans have already known he's incredibly entertaining and you, you and he's, he's and he's very professional he shows up and wor- outworks everybody else but yeah right now they, they, they are very you know financially sound but they are creatively bankrupt it's um you ask you know, your um Typical wrestling fan, if if they're not a a blind follower of the WWE, they know the the product is not entertaining. It's a, it's a very frustrating to watch if you don't have a fanatical religious uh, following of it. And uh, I, I mean, even me, like I, I used to watch this stuff every single week. Ryan Ryder, it seems everyone who retires from wrestling becomes family in the Fast and Furious franchise. Yeah, obviously. Dwayne. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. He he has surpassed his wrestling career. He's the biggest movie star in the world. Ironically, when, when, when The Rock and Cena were wrestling about 10 years ago, it was Cena calling The Rock out, you walked out on WWE to become an actor, and I stayed here. And then the irony, like, 10 years later, like, Cena did an interview all. Dwayne was right. I was wrong. <laughs> John had to kind of admit, nope, I'm a bit of a hypocrite now. <laughs> and Dwayne was correct. <laughs> so a lot, lot easier to, to 
to, to, if you if you're able to, you can leave and not take bumps every single night and not sacrifice your body for Vincent Kennedy McMahon and work for yourself and not for the McMahons. But to circle back, yeah, what what happened? What's happening right now as we speak? It, it, it's it's unfolding on Twitter right now. Oh, all of this nonsense. There's the fans of WWE who are supporting they're protecting the, they're protecting the billionaires by by siding with the supervisors like you shouldn't walk out of your job and then there's other people going if you don't like your job you should be able to leave in in, in almost any other job if you're not happy with how things are going you can leave you should leave if you're not happy it's like Ten years ago, I was not happy at Nintendo. I looked around and I said, yeah, I should probably go, especially after one of my friends told me a couple months before, oh, you've been here for more than five years? Oh, you'll be here for the rest of your life. It's like, I'm going to be driving all around L.A. and O.C., sitting in traffic and getting yelled at by people for the rest of my life? No. Two months later, I was gone. I, I upended the tea table, so to speak, as as, as they say internally at Nintendo, and and shocked uh, many supervisors by just quitting out of the blue. As far as as far as they were concerned, I quit out of the blue. I was like, "No, you're quitting now." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm I'm gonna leave. I I'm I'm not I'm not happy." Yeah, I, I was literally about to win the Rep of the Year award, but uh, that, it was probably the least happy I was at the job. <laughs> uh, uh, selling my soul, doing exactly what they wanted me to do and not what I wanted to do. I, I kept wanting to be creative. I wanted to use my creativity to help Nintendo, but that's not what they wanted from me. They did not want creative Dre. They wanted a drone. And then, and I had that ability. I'm up. I'm giving my two weeks notice. I'm going to finish all my projects in the next two weeks, and I'm leaving for a job at Disney. Goodbye. And then I was subsequently blamed for many other reps who were similar to me. And they're like, "We can leave," because <laughs> similarly, Nintendo always try to keep people under their thumb. They they like to make people feel like there's nothing else out there. This is the best job you could have. There's nothing else you can do. You ha- you have to do exactly what we want you to do. You have to go out on the weekends and do the product demonstrations. You have to turn over your life to Nintendo. Oh, you have children? Well, you better find a sitter. You have to be at Best Buy from 1 to 5 every Saturday for the next 3 months. Oh, you got to be got to go to Fry's Electronics the next 3 Sundays. And go show everybody that 3DS because we need to sell more of them. Oh, your friend's getting married? That's unfortunate. You have to be at you have to be at Walmart tomorrow and stand in front of a an MP2 case. It was very similar. I, I, I can empathize with the with the employees on this one because the, there are many jobs out there that want you to make them their number one priority and to shun your life over 
Uh, show your life and choose them. No, you you have to choose Nintendo. Nintendo is your life. Vincent Kennedy, man, you have, this is your dream to work for me. Don't you want to do everything you can to work for me? That's that's what a lot of these corporations want. It's like, oh, you're special. You're special because you do everything we want we want out of you, and nothing else. And you no, know, I, I, I was blamed because yeah, several other people within the within the same year started looking for other jobs and and found better jobs, and left. And yet my 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 old supervisor told me like, it's all your fault. Like I, I still kept in contact with her, and I wound up working for her somewhere else because she went and quit too, <laughs> pissing off the people higher up. Which, uh, I don't think coincidentally, when I tried to go back to Nintendo a year after that, <laughs> they're like, no, you're the problem. You caused <laughs> a lot of people to leave. I'm like, I, I want a steady paycheck again. I made a mistake. <laughs> I want to be your drone. <laughs> I want to get paid on a regular basis. I want to sell my soul because I need to pay my bills. <laughs> yeah, irony. But you know, I, I was blamed for inspiring the freedom of out of other uh, young younger reps who were indoctrinated early. Like, oh, because of the, they liked getting the, the young. They got me when I was twenty five, and I was like, I was happy. I'm like, oh, I'm working for Nintendo. This is great. They give me free games. Get to wear Nintendo polos every day. I get. Tiny bits of top secret information that if I leak, I'm instantly fired. And then you know, seven years later, I'm like, this is bullshit. I need to get out of here. <laughs> I inspired a revolution. Yeah, it also didn't help that I think uh, I, when, when my, my supervisor ended up leaving for this tablet company. And uh, I, I told her, oh, yeah, here, here, here's some vulnerable people you could probably hire away from Nintendo. <laughs> Because she was creating a, a similar type of job where they needed reps to go represent these tablets. Oh, here's all the vulnerable people. Here, here's everyone I know who's unhappy. And from my desk at Disney, I was helping my old boss recruit people away from Nintendo. Maybe another reason why Nintendo was less unhappy when I came back with my hat in my hand going, I'd like to contribute to my 401k again and get a regular paycheck. I left Disney because Disney treated me like shit too. <laughs> that grass is greener on the other side? Yeah. <laughs> Who would have thought I left one giant corporation and jumped to a worse one? Oops. My mistake, clearly. But yeah. I, I, I get it. I, I get the frustration of the... Especially since, um, especially in the case of Sasha Banks, I think she she wants to to put out quality professional wrestling product, and they're like, we just want sports entertainment. We just want you to show up, smile at everyone, and just do whatever we say. Well, you you want to be better? We don't care about better. We just want to put out a mediocre product. So Fox and Viacom, or not Viacom, uh, NBCU, whatever the the conglomerate is called now they're going to keep paying us a lot of money to put out 
mediocre product on a weekly basis so they can sell our safe product to advertisers and fill the time and fill the pockets of Vince McMahon. And they get surprised when the people want to leave. <laughs> that's, that's the ultimate irony sometimes. Like they, they, they are shocked. What? You don't like being shit on? How dare you? <laughs> How dare you not enjoy your oppression? What's wrong with you? should be privileged hold on I, I gotta do my my really bad Vincent man you should you you should be proud of having the privilege of me pulling down my trousers and shitting all over you it's proud I shat all over Hulk Hogan I shat all over Steve Austin what makes you think you're better than them <laughs> I shat on the rock You think you're better? You're not. <laughs> that, that's that's what's going on right now. Pro wrestling. I, I still keep my finger on the pulse. We don't talk it talk about it that much on the show, but Adelaide asked. It was it was already rattling around my brain from my my pre-show uh, perusal of social media of things I'm like what can I talk about today. And that was literally the, the, the biggest thing that happened in the last hour. And I was going to try to find a way to work it in, but uh, thank you, Adelaide, for, for leading me right into it. And then my brain found a way to relate it to, to Nintendo, as we do on this show. And I hope everyone had, their, had a cool beverage and took a drink every time I said Nintendo, as is tradition on this show. Now, let's uh, go back to that pin I put. Winning time on HBO. Uh, last weekend was the uh, the season finale of that show. My wife and I were very excited, but I think we were still exhausted. <laughs> we were worn out from Mother's Day weekend, <laughs> and we didn't watch it on Sunday. We had to wait till the next day to watch it on Monday night after we wrapped up the show relatively early. And we saw it, and it was, um, I, I, I was very happy with it. I was, because uh, it actually was the one episode where they actually had a shitload of actual basketball being played. I, if I had any complaints about the early episodes of the show, is that they didn't really have a lot of basketball. They were really more concerned with the, with the drama of what was going on with the Lakers. And I was like, and, and don't get me wrong, it was good. It, 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 it's a phenomenal show. I was thoroughly entertained. Jerry West entertained me to no end. He's, if you haven't seen this show, I highly recommend it. Whether or not you care about sports, it's still incredibly compelling. Very compelling storytelling. Not necessarily accurate, but you know what? That's not important. There's been a lot of docudramas, a lot of exaggeration of, 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 of history in other shows. I think uh, one of my coworkers pointed out, like, oh yeah, the, the, the People versus O.J. Simpson, the, the, the show that was on FX. I'm like, oh yeah, that was not necessarily factually accurate, but that was also incredibly entertaining. <laughs> 
but yeah, this show was like there. There was a whole lot of basketball. I because I kept wondering. I, my, my 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 lovely wife also kept asking me, like, "Oh, so what's gonna happen?" My oh well, uh, being the, the 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 basketball historian that I that I, that I still sort of am. I, I still have a lot of this basketball knowledge in my head. I I spent a lot of uh, time in high school studying basketball more than my actual um, studies. And I, I remember I remember the story of of Kareem getting hurt. In, in Game Five of the 1980 NBA Finals, and Magic Johnson having to step up as a rookie and lead the team to that Game Six victory, and so I was like, "Oh, I already know what I already know what's going to happen," and I was literally telling my wife, "Oh no, I'm not going to tell you what's going to happen. I can tell you, they don't have to manufacture any drama in this last episode. There was already a lot of real life drama. That like this is like." probably the perfect time to end the season or end the the, well, the season of the of the show and also it's the end of the 1980 basketball season but it's like they don't have to stretch the truth I mean it's funny because they did stretch the truth anyway on certain things because that's what you got to do for television but I was like oh I already I'm like I already know but I like I can but I, I can't imagine like oh they, they're gonna they're gonna make it more dramatic and more entertaining because that, that's what they do with these types of shows and they, and yeah they jumped the, the show jumped right in literally from the start they went right into game 5 they didn't mess up with any preamble or anything like, like last episode they left off leading into the finals they just jumped right in Kareem hurting his ankle gutting it out Finishing game five, and it's like, nope, he's not gonna play game six. And then it was like, oh, there's no Kareem. What are the Lakers gonna do? They're, they're, they've lost the captain. They, they need to start. Uh, like Magic's gonna start at center. And it's funny because uh, they, yeah, there was a little bit of like the the real life was that the the the, the coaches had already figured it out. You know, they 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 made it more dramatic. In the show, but uh, the, the the head coach himself had already been like, "Oh, magic, magic will start at center. We, we have we have to go fast and small." But they, they they tweaked up the the drama. We're like, "Oh, what are we gonna do?" It's like, "Oh, it's like the the, the, the coach who got injured or the coach who hurt himself or got hurt and, and couldn't coach. He he had this secret game plan." And then Magic start me at center. <laughs> were on the show they made it, it was uh, Magic's idea when originally it was the the the, the coach that was being played by by Jason Siegel, uh, who's been doing he he has done uh, I feel like I haven't given him enough credit. He he's done a phenomenal job of playing this you know hapless assistant coach forced into. In, into the head coach position that he's not prepared for or, and, and doesn't want to do. Paul Westhead, thank you. Thank you, Warren. And then, uh, and then you have uh, Adrian Brody playing Pat Riley, you know, former player trying to find uh, his, his his post playing career role. Like, oh, he he was gonna do color commentary with Chick and all, all this Chick slander throughout the show. <laughs> like, who who did Chick her and piss off on this writing staff? Or like I, I I've really meant to go to to the library and request a copy of, of this book. I, I know that they they have it in the in the local library system. I saw the the sequel to the book, the one about Shaq Kobe and, and Phil Jackson, at 
at the library last time. Me and Ty went. So I was like, oh, I could probably get a hold of this Showtime book and, and read. It's like, yeah, I want to see the, 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 the recollections from these people. Well, was Chick Hearn really shitty to a lot of people? I'm like, no, he was, he was a sweet man. Like, don't meet your heroes, apparently. Oh, that that was another another like sweet little thing about the the final episode. They they, they let Chick say the line because if you've been a, a Laker fan of, of any any length during the '80s and '90s, uh, when, when the game is over and, and Chick puts the game in the refrigerator, like they they had they had him do it. I was just so giddy when I when I heard him start. I'm like. <gasps> He's putting the game in the refrigerator. Oh, like they had him say the line. <laughs> the door is closed. The eggs are cooling. The butter is getting hard, and the jello is jiggling. Yes, there, there, there was, there was only one time where Chick put the game in the refrigerator, and and, and he he was incorrect. There was only one. I think there was one, only one time when 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 that refrigerator door was was kicked open by the opponent. <laughs> He only ever got it wrong once. <laughs> he, he, he was pretty good. Ninety-nine point nine percent accurate. <laughs> I think it was. In the, I remember the, the 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 Clippers commentary. He he had like his whole whole his whole thing like the Lawler's Law or something, but the law was broken many times. <laughs> First two hundred is gonna win the game. <laughs> and then Lawler's Law was frequently broken. <laughs> In overtime, <laughs> but yeah, the the show was really uh, yeah. Over, I just as as an old Laker fan, I, I, I this last episode was really good. They, whole lot of basketball. The this uh apparently there was there was some manufactured drama over the the finals MVP. Yeah, apparently in real life it was not as dramatic as they made it play out in the show. In the show, they made it say, oh the the writers had voted for Kareem to be the MVP. But Assistant Commissioner David Stern decided it'd be better for television. Oh, the Kobe cameo early on the season was hilarious. <laughs> little little baby Kobe Bean Bryant. <laughs> the Lakers playing the Clippers in, in San Diego. <laughs> and who's in the audience? Oh, there's there's Joe Jellybean Bryant's son and his wife. There's a son, Kobe, named after a steak. Ding! It was a very much the, the uh, God. Why can't I remember the br- sleep deprivation and exhaustion is really bad. Adam McKay. It was, it was a hallmark of all these Adam McKay post uh, other guys' movies where they, the the point the arrow, <laughs> put some text on the screen. <laughs> Here, in case the joke isn't obvious enough, ding. <laughs> the Kobe cameo was hilarious. Oh, now my brain's gone. I forgot where I was going before that. My brain is truly good. Yeah, Will Ferrell, yeah. He could not have done it. No, John C. Riley. He, he, John C. Riley put that show on his back, and he, and he carried it. Uh, as, as much as, as, as Jason Clark entertained me, I truly believed that John C. Riley was Dr. Buss. I that they from 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 episode one, he he literally was Doctor Bus. Like I I never 
like in, in any of the 10 episodes, I never looked at the show and go, what, what is Cal Naughton doing? <laughs> What's John C. Riley doing here? I, I, I was able to turn off my, um, turn off my brain and go, man, Dr. Bus is, is going through it. Like I was believing that was Dr. Bus. Each episode, the, 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 the young lady who played Jeannie, again, that, that was another, uh, another instance of the show exaggerating things. Jeannie didn't have anything to do with the, with the Lakers until she finished college. She had to finish her school at USC before they, that before Doc. <laughs> oh, John C. Riley. Oh yeah, no. Like, <laughs> I learned <laughs> here. Fun, fun fact. When I was working for Disney, I learned exactly where John C. Riley lived, because <laughs> I had to send him copies of Wreck It Ralph. <laughs> And it was just like, and it was, it was a matter of high confidentiality because he did, he did not want to be bothered ever. <laughs> it was like he's like somewhere in in, in the, the in like Altadena. I feel like one of my friends. I kept joking to one of my friends. You live right by John C. Riley. I'm not going to tell you exactly where, but you live right by him. <laughs> yeah, he 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 yeah, he does not like to be disturbed. That was in like the notes. Like, like I was always given notes uh, when I when I worked for Disney. I I had to send out uh, copies of the movie to the talent, like the the talent that worked on the movie. I, I I would usually, depending on their level of stardom, I was sending like an entire case of the movie, or one like you know anywhere from thirty to 15 to 10 to like here here's a copy of the movie since you were in the movie <laughs> you get one <laughs> you were in super buddies with all the dogs you get one copy <laughs> but yeah I think I sent a whole case of Wreck-It Ralph to, uh, to John C. Riley in an undisclosed location somewhere in North Pasadena <laughs> but no, he 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 totally killed it. It was he was perfect as as as, as Doctor Bus. Yeah, um, yeah. Jerry West. The, he he was over the top, but that 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 was the point. That was the point. Uh, the young man who played Magic Johnson, he was great. Although I I saw some pictures. He he is not six foot nine. He is like six foot one, but I saw pictures and like of him wearing stilts. <laughs> they they had like basketball shoes. With like a six or seven inch like lift, <laughs> it was like he was wearing platforms, uh, so he could be you know look like he was six foot nine around all the other actors. <laughs> uh, I, I I I had done a little too much research and I saw them. Oh, I can't unsee that. I thought Quincy Isaiah was really was six foot nine. <laughs> uh, th- there you go. I remembered it just before Warren typed it. <laughs> On the screen, Quincy Isaiah. I he, I thought he was six foot nine, but no, he he's like six feet tall. <laughs> like, then I'm sure they use some like Lord of the Rings camera angles for for the basketball shots because there's no way he was gonna be running around in in, in, in six to seven inch platform basketball shoes. <laughs> the, the 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 Doctor Doctor Solomon. Oh God. Oh God, I can't remember anyone's names, but the, the the gentleman who played Kareem, he's a legit six foot eleven. He played college basketball for the University of Cal Berkeley. Um, he was legitimately that tall. They, they yeah, Solomon Hughes. Thank you, Doctor Solomon Hughes. 
you know, he was legitimately tall and he knew how to play basketball. He, he, he didn't have to be coached up or, or taught how to play basketball. Yeah, especially in the last three episodes, he he was really awesome. He he was a, I really I I enjoyed his his surly Kareem because that's kind of how like I've always imagined Kareem because uh, like over the years it was like he has he has this amazing basketball mind, but the, the he the most he ever managed was being like an assistant coach for for the Clippers to help Michael Olwakandi learn how to be a big man. And I was just like, I know there, there, there's some sort of personality thing with him where, he, for whatever reason, he, he could not get a coaching job in the NBA. Um, so like that, that kind of that 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 surly dude, who, who, who had his, his very strong beliefs, and it's he, he and the man is a poet, the man is a scholar, but for whatever reason, that uh, that put off, you know, <laughs> yeah, they did his his game of death scene, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, he he was very vocal in his displeasure over the show. Uh, the the real Kareem thought that the show. Like, I I guess maybe he only saw the the, the first episode because he he saw he he saw the scene where he cussed out the kid and he's like, I would never do that. I would never cuss at a kid. And he's very unhappy because you know he the the, the current Kareem works with a lot of children's organizations and didn't want that to be representative of him. And I can understand that. But then again, this this is a work of historical fiction. And then, uh, and then Jerry West he, he 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 sent legal papers telling them to retract and remove. And uh, HBO probably does like nah. Oh, thank you, Ryan, for reminding me. The, the whatever whoever the actor is is playing Larry Bird. Man, <laughs> he was like in there as the hick from French Lick. Oh man, his scenes in the final episode, being in Magic's head and then showing him watching the game in Indiana, being all mad. It's like he's there, I'm not <laughs> spitting his tobacco. It's like that's like it's like the little things like that. It's like we, we it was confirmed early, like a few episodes earlier, that that they are gonna do a second season. And it was like the speculation, like wildly, was all over the place. They di- they didn't know where they would go with the second season because this was originally just supposed to be a a one off miniseries. But it, I guess the reception has been so good. Uh, one of my nerd friends is very insistent that's gonna it's gonna win a bunch of Emmys from from the acting and the writing. And uh, they're gonna do a second season, and like they 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 have to do like the following year because I, I my. My memory's not a hundred percent good, but I I'm pretty sure the Lakers and 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 the Celtics meet in '81. I know they met a few more times. I remember, I think '84 was when the was when the when the Celtics won. I remember being incredibly sad about it and writing about it in my journal at elementary school at Bella Vista. I remember I I, I drew like the Laker jersey very crudely in the in the. And the Celtics jersey very crudely and writing about it in my journal for that day. Right? I'm like, I'm very sad. The Lakers lost to the Celtics. I was very unhappy that the Lakers were defeated by the Celtics. And then in 85, Lakers came back and got the revenge. Revenge. Even as a child, I really, uh, like, as again, that, that's why I had to, like, 
cut back on my sports fandom as a child, I would allow the outcome of the NBA Finals to, 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 to affect me emotionally on such a strong level. I remember like when the, when the Pistons beat the Lakers in the finals, you know, like Byron Scott hurt his hamstring and he had a, and he couldn't play. And then Magic hurt his hamstring and he tried to play through it. And, and, and then the Lakers got worked. They got beat down. I believe that was in 1990. It was 89 or 90. I forgot which one of those. Because one year they beat the Trailblazers. That might have been 90. It might have been 89. Where it was uh, Lakers versus Pistons. I'm not going to stop and look it up right now. I'm just going to say I'm not 100% sure. This may not be factually accurate. And you're just going to have to trust me. But I remember like the Lakers losing. Because they had be- the Lakers had beaten them in 88. And it was a rematch in 89. And the, the Pistons had their number. Like injuries caught up to the Lakers. And then, and then Isaiah and Joe Dumars. All the bad boys. Bill Lane Beer. Rick Mahorn. All those. They, they were all villains to me when I was a child. I remember like, just looking at them. They were just bad guys. And then they're nicknamed the bad boys. I remember I was just so mad. That the Lakers couldn't beat them. Oh, they beat them the year before. They hadn't been hurt. They, they they would have been able to get them. Yeah, that's right, Daniel. Fuck those bad boys. <laughs> the, and they they reveled in being the heels. Like I see people hoping that the winning time uh, continues on for the next like ten years, so we get like every year is like going to be like a season. And like oh, like hope we get to the bad boys. I hope we <laughs> get to others. We get to to. Ma- magic and that kind of that that wacky team versus versus uh, Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan doing that crazy layup. You can see Michael Jordan's first first title. So we'll, we'll see because it's weird because I I think back to the very first episode of Winning Time. They they started the show in like 1992, where where Magic found out he was HIV positive. And so that, that made me think that they were going to jump around the rest of the season. They were going to go all over the, the history of the Lakers. Yeah, bad boys are right there with the Decepticons. Yep. <laughs> Isaiah Thomas and Starscream, just villains. You're just going to hate. Just hate with a with an unbridled passion. Yeah, I, to this day, I, 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 can, I don't think I could ever root for the Pistons. And I, I will hate the Celtics until the day I die. <laughs> I will always, always root against the Celtics. I will always root against the Pistons. Just from from that, 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 that those formative years. You know, a template like better. Yeah, that's what I thought. It was, I thought it was going to be like Better Call Saul, where they were going to you know show you the present, go in the past, kind of go back and forth. Yeah, same. That's right, Daniel. That's. that's we had similar childhoods. We were, we were very emotionally invested in our sports teams. We were very spoiled. Los Angeles youth, you know, 88 Dodgers win that. Lakers win. Lakers won in 85 and 88. Man, I remember having that, that the back-to-back Lakers shirt with them with the, with the all drawn, the super deformed cartoonist drawings. I had that, that back-to-back shirt. 
funny ass Kurt Rambis in his big old glasses now. I got some Rambis glasses now. And uh, I'm trying to remember what else. I think the I think the Raiders had won a Super Bowl, and then the Kings got to the Stanley Cup Finals like in '91. And thanks to Marty McSorley's bent stick, they they blew it. <laughs> the Marty McSorley's bent stick ruined the, the Kings getting the Stanley Cup in the early '90s. Had to wait till the 2000s. Until until, until until what like 2010 until the Kings could raise Lord Stanley's Cup. But all right, look at this. I I, I came on honestly. I my my brain was blank honestly when 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 I came on to the show. Fernando Mania. That's right. I I always say that the, the earliest memory I have is my parents taking me to the Dodger Stadium. This probably was a Fernando start because my, my parents are super mexy. So they went out to go support Fernando. And all I can remember from this, like this faint memory, like maybe I was four, maybe five years old. All I remember was the scoreboard and then the the, the, the 76 station that was in the middle of the parking lot. I remember I, f- I found it very odd that like, there's, a, there's a gas station in the middle of this parking lot. I, it was just like, this, this, that was the memory I hung on to <laughs> when I was a kid. The scoreboard... I think they were playing the Padres. Yeah, the the the, the Dodgers were playing the Padres. Uh, it was a Fernando start, and uh, yeah, the seventy six station in the middle of the parking lot. I, I think that station is long gone now. I remember seeing it later on in life, I mean, like when I when I started to go to games on my own in the nineties. I'm like, oh yeah, there's the station. <laughs> I remember that station when I was a kid, like little. The ear- earliest memory I could I can muster. But yeah, awesome stuff. I love digging through through my brain for stuff like this. I have to exercise my brain because it's it's exhausted all the time. I feel like I'm losing information. I have to I have to go through all the file cabinets in my brain and make sure it's all there. <laughs> yeah, right. You were there for the games, but you're too young to understand what was going on. Yeah, I like it's funny. Like, I don't know how how many times I might have gone to Dodger games when I was little. I know my my parents did not pay for a sitter. They would just buy buy tickets. This was the same for movies. That's why I remember the the Sylvester Stallone movie Cobra being an early movie that my parents took me <laughs> with them to go see, and being very mad that the Cobra opened up a pizza box and there was no pizza inside. <laughs> and however old I was, whenever Cobra came out, <laughs> taking me to a rated R movie. Oh no! I remember Kirk Gibson's home run. We were at somebody's like barbecue or whatever. <laughs> we were at somebody's barbecue in 1988, and everyone was huddled around this little television watching the game, and we all lost our GD minds when Kirk Gibson hit that home run off of Dennis Eckersley. It's like we couldn't believe it. The Dodgers came back on, came back on them. But yeah, I know Co- Cobra. <laughs> Whatever year that came out, that's when my parents were taking me to see taking me to see rated R movies. <laughs> okay, look for for the sake of accuracy, we're gonna look that one up. Cobra, Sylvester Stallone. There we go. Boom, boom, boom. That didn't take too long. Cobra, Sylvester Stallone. I need to know what year that was. 
1986. I was seven years old when my parents were taking me to rated R movies. Let's verify if this was a rated R movie. I, I, I feel fairly confident this was a rated R. Come on, let's see. Where's the... Where's the, where's the rating? Come on. Was there no rating? Come on. Oh, man, I can't... But I, I just remember that that was just... Very inappropriate for my age. <laughs> and that damn pizza box, which had a gun and some other thing. And I'm like, where's the pizza? That's all I can remember. <laughs> I'm sure if I, if I go back and watch that movie, I'll be like, I have never seen this movie. I mean, I've seen this movie, but I have never seen this movie. <laughs> my, my dad frequently took me to a lot of rated R movies as a kid. <laughs> a whole lot of Chuck Norris, a whole lot of Charles. I saw every Death Wish as a child. <laughs> The only thing I remember from Death Wish was him like brushing his teeth and rinsing his mouth out with alcohol. <laughs> That's childhood right there. And I'm going to make sure that Tiger does not have that kind of childhood. My son will not be watching a bunch of rated R films at six or seven years old. Best believe that. All right. Ryan and Warren and Adelaide and Daniel... Thank you guys for being on here with me live and helping. You guys are an immeasurable help, especially on nights like this where my brain isn't working and I walk onto the show. Like at least last week, I oh, had Disneyland. Like this week, I was like, I have exhaustion. <laughs> That's what I have. I was just like, I could tell. Oh, we hit a hundred and we're at 105 subscribers on the YouTube page. That, that was the only other thing in my, I had in my head. It was like the the celebration of like YouTube, and then they they still haven't let me change the URL. And once I'm over a hundred, I'm supposed to have the ability to change my URL from random name numbers to Dre's Geek Philosophy or something else. <laughs> That's they, they still haven't got. I, I did get the new phone. We are broadcasting on a brand new iPhone right now. I don't have to worry about the app randomly closing in the middle of the show like we had for several, several weeks in a row. Um, as always, make sure to follow us at DreGB Podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Facebook. YouTube, search for Dre's Geek Philosophy Podcast. Hopefully by next week, I'll be able to say youtube.com forward slash Dre GP podcast. Hopefully by next week, if they allow me to change the URL, I'm at 105 subs now. Let's keep it going. 105 subscribers. Um, I, I hate to say it, but the next goal is uh, 1000. I, I thought there'd be something else in between if I, if I hit like 200 or 500, but apparently the, the next goal, at least as far as YouTube is concerned, is going from 100 to a thousand. We have to do what we did. <laughs> in the last three years nine more times but it seems like we are growing very well as long as I keep putting out all this um, video game content so especially if it's stuff that's uh, not necessarily out yet that's where I'm, I'm, I'm driving some, some viewership there so I, I have to stay on top of uh, things at work and be like grab games that are not out yet like you know, if we get something else a few weeks early run to my office or run to my wife's office and make a quick video I'm like oh check it out here's something else cool 
critical mass let's go yeah we're gonna just keep pushing this it's doing very well if we if we get to 1,000 subscribers that's where YouTube will actually start paying me <laughs> well, I think it's 1,000 subs plus I think it's 10,000 hours watched so that, that that's the that's the next like that's the next big step so we're, we're, if we can get to the point where YouTube starts paying me that would be awesome <laughs> we can finally turn a profit on the on the whole shebang here maybe <laughs> that first that first YouTube check's gonna come in 12 cents well that's 12 cents I didn't have before let's go <laughs> all right thank you guys very much for watching uh, as always, our awesome patrons Daniel Wong Ryan Tanaka thank you both for for being such strong supporters of the show uh, Warren thank you for always uh, coming in and, and being our, our fact checker I need to make the Chargers anime schedule to get more viewers. Man, that that was pretty awesome. I, I am I am not a Chargers fan anymore, but that was that was pretty awesome what they did and the little sly jokes they snuck in. The 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 the, the Jaguars week they snuck in an Urban Meyer hanging out the bar joke. The Falcons week they put you know twenty eight to three in the billboard. They were having fun. <laughs> they edited out the Browns thing because oh we can't do that we can't be making fun of that quarterback but alright thank you guys so much you guys really you guys carry me and I appreciate it thank you guys so much thank you my, my, my guys here who are here live and those of you who listen to this later thank you all we'll see you, ne we'll see you next week have a good night and as always this is for my wife. <laughs>